This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 33, recorded December 1st, 2010. Advent Traditions, and Stephen Colbert. Welcome to Prayer Room Companion. I am your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson, back with you again. From the South. Father, how was your Thanksgiving in the South? Cold. I don't know what it is, but every time I go to St. Louis to visit my family this time of year, uh, they go from like 70 degrees the day before I get there down to 40s and 30s. In fact, we even had snow. Wow. Yeah. Well, actually, I was going to say so did we, but I guess we didn't until after you got back. So you brought it back with you. See, it's really the truth of the matter is is that I'm the uh, uh, I'm the muse of snow, and so snow just likes to honor me wherever I go. I don't think that's a bad thing because I happen to love snow. Being from Central Minnesota, you know, having real snow, uh, snowy Christmases, snowy winters, all that good stuff. So having real snowy Christmases, unlike you South Dakotans. I, I didn't say that, Father. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was implied by tongue. <laughs> Implied by uh, we don't want to get into the whole uh, what it would be state rival. It won't be sibling rivalry. It would be state rivalry. Um, you know, uh, any any feelings of inferiority or, or something that you know on the part of one or the other. But we won't do that this time. We'll do that another time, maybe, or not, or off the air. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so well, anyway. welcome home, welcome home, Father. Uh, happy Advent to you, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And happy Advent to you as well. Thank you also very much. And it's also now December 1st as we're recording this. So uh, my uh, my kids were asking me, the, my oldest in particular, um, a couple weeks ago, Daddy, when does winter start? So it's one of those hard things to explain because, well, officially it starts December 22nd, but usually most people say it starts when... Um, when it gets really cold and when the snow falls and it stays. And so I it, it, here for you listeners who may not be in the, uh, the, the South Dakota area, the snow started falling on Monday and so far it's staying. Um, so I think winter is upon us, at least here. Do you have any snow in Brookings, Father? We have a little bit, just a light dust. You guys had more than we did. Okay. So, Father, would you say that, so is it winter in Brookings yet, would you say? I think it's winter when I have to turn on the boiler and start spending money on uh, <laughs> on heating the Newman Center. And you've had to turn on the boiler, I presume. I turned it on before homecoming when uh, Bishop came and had uh, mass with us that Sunday. Oh, wow. Okay, so it's been winter for a while in Brookings. We want to make sure His Excellency had a warm reception. <laughs> Indeed. Very good. So, uh, December 1st, we're into Advent. Um, l- last week, as, as the listeners know, uh, when, when Father was in St. Louis, Carlson and I talked about um, two of, of Pope Benedict's latest works, one of them an official act of his papal magisterium, um, uh, Verbum Domini, uh, the, the exhortation on Scripture, and then a, uh, a quote-unquote unofficial document, his book, interview book with the German journalist Peter Seewald, Light of the World. Um, Father Andrew, I, I mentioned to you uh, before we went on the air, I, I, um, I got the book Wednesday night, the night before Thanksgiving, and had it read by Friday morning. Uh, it's, it's a quick read because it's an interview, interview book. There's You don't get too deep in the context of an interview, uh, but it's a fantastic read. Um, and the most interesting thing that I wonder about is how neglected were your children during that time? Is it, I, uh, father, father, no, 
Watch it, Father. No. <laughs> I uh, this was all reading done after they were in bed. So the real question was how 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 neglected was my wife during the time when I was reading? Uh, but she had she, yes. she, she found things to do as well. <laughs> Actually, she probably overjoyed that you weren't bugging her. <laughs> Why? <Hey. laughs> no, but it is a fantastic read. It's, it's vintage rats in your vintage. Benedict, um, very much many of the keys and themes that that we hear from him um, officially in terms of an, a strong emphasis on Jesus Christ and um, just sort of you know basic and he, and he answers everything as people have talked about as as Carl and I talked about he, he I mean Seawald just asks questions and the Holy Father answers I mean he doesn't he he does he's not evasive um i he doesn't pass on any questions uh or anything so it's uh, but it but it's, it's really a, a good yeah i would not like to answer that question next question please no, there's there's nothing like that he uh he answers everything and and really to me is a really good introduction not just into the mind of of this particular man but it's a really good introduction in many ways to the faith uh it, it's it's not i mean it's no way comprehensive of everything we believe um, certainly, it's not the catechism, um, but it is just, I think, a, an easy introduction into the Catholic vision of reality, a Catholic way of thinking, um, into the Catholic faith. So, so anyway, um, I highly recommend it. I think it's a great book. Um, from that, Father, we were talking about maybe, you know, again, we talked about we, we're just starting Advent. Uh, and and maybe talking a little bit about the season that that we're in. That you got back from St. Louis in time to celebrate Mass, correct? Remind, I think you said, right? I did. I did. I returned on Saturday, and I don't have a Saturday Mass, but uh, for all my Sunday Masses. Okay. Um, so we are in the season of Advent. If some when somebody asks you, Father, just so Father, what's the season of Advent all about? You know, I, I hear that. You know. I know the church, it's not supposed to be about getting ready for Christmas in the sense of buying the gifts and so on. So what is the, why does the church have the season of Advent? How would you just sort of that, that generic, um, simple, why do we do this kind of a question? Uh, I think a beautiful answer to that was to uh, relive the 4,000 years of human history before the coming of the Christ. Could you elaborate on that? Certainly. Just remind ourselves that for 4,000 years we didn't know the joy of Jesus Christ, that humanity lived in uh, the grips of the darkness of sin, uh, had the light of the Word of God, of course, in uh, the revelation of uh, the patriarchs and the prophets, but still at the same time didn't have the full illumination of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, there's certain ideas of light and dark in Advent that should be preparing for that uh, and a readiness or an awakening of that hunger of our need for Jesus Christ. Hmm. So, so we we have a scene as Advent to to, to I mean, I, certainly that we do celebrate Christ's uh, coming as man, his birth um, in Bethlehem in the birthday party sense, but also it's as you were just saying, it's uh, an awakening of our desire uh, and our need for him. Not just two thousand years ago, but today, now, in my own life. Would that be a fair summary of what you were just saying? Yeah, 
Okay. You know, I think one of the beautiful things to think about is uh, the three comings of Christ. I think maybe it's either St. Augustine or maybe St. Bernard of Clairvaux, who uh, talks about that most often, uh, that Christ our Lord came uh, in history, in the Incarnation, in meekness and in poverty in Bethlehem, that he will come again in majesty and glory in, uh, at the end of all things, and that he also comes uh, even still today in uh, our own heart and our own life, and uh, just to keep seeking him wherever he may, found, may be found. And then the preparation or the anticipation of his final coming um, at, the, at the end of time. Uh, yeah, I think, I think, actually, where was I? Just recently, I was reading something from the Holy Father talking about that. Maybe, frankly, it may have been in the book, um, Light of the World. But he, I think he, and I think you mentioned St. Bernard of Clairvaux, and I think that's who he, he, he mentioned in that context of how it's, it's, it's celebration of Christ coming as man, looking forward to his final coming, but, but as St. Bernard said, also uh, a recognition of how he, he comes into our life um, today in every moment and, and how uh, during Advent we, we seek to, to um, awaken ourselves or allow ourselves to be awoken to the, the ways uh, that he is, is present to us. Um, throughout our life, not just 2,000 years ago and not just in the future, whenever that may be, but even in the here and now. And one thing, just uh, in terms of the, the final coming, I th- one thing I'm always, this is sort of a tangent, but I, the whole thing with the end of the world and, and how, you know, a lot of the, certainly in pop culture, Hollywood movies and so on. Um, Armageddon! Exactly. And whenever the, the spin on, on uh, when they try to give it a religious spin, um, maybe in an attempt uh, half-heartedly uh, at a Christian take on the end of the world, um, nobody wants it to come. But <laughs> in point of fact, we, we, we're, as Christians, we in fact, desire and pray for the hastening of our Lord's return, knowing that we My don't know. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom, yeah. And, exactly. I mean, I, in every, and that certainly means that the kingdom comes now, but the definitive coming of the kingdom at the end of time when everything will be renewed, everything will be fulfilled, and there will be the new heavens and the new earth. So from a Christian perspective, um, the end of time is not something to be feared, but to be embraced. Uh, but I think that's partially because we don't get into the uh, the blood and guts or the the gore gore and blood that Hollywood usually does and pop culture in general when it comes to as you said Armageddon. So that's one of those little you know funny things that they make it sound like we we're try, we want to delay it or put it off, but in fact, at least from a Christian perspective, we we pray for it and and hope for it. Exactly, Pope Benedict uh, makes that point quite well in his second encyclical uh, Space Salvi where he talks about that the end of the world for the Christian is actually a source of hope because it means that uh, evil and injustice in the world will be put under the just and good judgment of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's it's the, the, the definitive and final vanquishing of, of evil and injustice. So who doesn't want that? <laughs> uh, and again, it may not happen for Yeah, the world just ended? Okay, sorry about that. So yes, the end of time uh, is something we look forward to. Not, the, not the premature end of this podcast. However, um, so. the, uh, the the hilarious thing in my own mind is that you say we don't. You're, you're laughing like we don't know when the end of the world will come. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, perfect. 
Hello? Brilliant. Hello? Yes. <laughs> Market timestamp, 10.37 a.m. Uh, yes. On Wednesday, December 1st, Dr. Chris Bergwald got raptured. And, of course, the the priest is left behind. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway. So, yes, we, we, we as, as Christians, uh, in fact, look forward to the second coming of Christ. And it's part but of... Not a rapture, but not a rapture. Not a rapture. We can talk about that another time too, um, but but that and again that is a dimension, although maybe not one that is is in the fore, forefront of people's minds. But that is a dimension of the Christmas season, and therefore a dimension of the uh, uh, Advent season as well. In fact, uh, my uh, uh, on Sunday, my pastor, Father Jim Mason, uh, made the comment that the first couple weeks of Advent really do focus on the second coming. So the, the first Sunday of Advent, the readings um, look forward to, or, or, or allude at least to, if not look forward to, in Jesus, the gospel, certainly, um, to the second coming. So there's definitely that uh, that, that awareness of, of Advent as a time of preparation, again, for celebrating Christ's coming 2,000 years ago and every moment of our lives today, but also at his final coming at the end of time. So, okay, so that's a little about Advent in general, but Father, any any particular Advent devotions that you have a fondness for, uh, any particular ways that you, uh, either personally or that you recommend to people um, in terms of the this, this spiritual preparation for the season? Well, I think one thing for me, actually, on this precise issue of uh, awaiting for the second coming is... Uh, I generally try to wake up uh, four different times a night and go out and look outside my window to see if our Lord has arrived yet. <laughs> no, I don't do that. <laughs> but um, what I do do, one thing is, and this is especially real for me after um, the death of my father, is that uh, I always just try to keep in mind and call to mind uh, that you know, there, there are probably some wounds in this life or some sufferings that we experience that time won't heal. Sure. And sure. that only our Lord Jesus Christ will bring them to full healing, and maybe not until uh, that found judgment and he comes again and we receive uh, the resurrected body. And uh, or those wounds at that point become glorified. I especially feel that just in terms of like the, uh, the first advent I went through after the death of my father. Sure. Uh, you know, there are some things that are just that real and that important that uh, they won't be fixed by, uh, you know, a couple months. So I'm always trying to be mindful of that uh, in my Advent season. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, it just seems to be a, a reality of the human condition that it's it's during these times of, of the, uh, you know, Thanksgiving with, the, you know, the secular holiday of Thanksgiving, but then also moving towards Christmas that so often... Um, we do think of our loved ones that that we've lost, who have, who have passed away, and and so is, there is that that I take a mourning, but also as you say, I mean, in this context, you know, hope, um, right? Um, looking forward to to Christ's final coming and be reunited, whenever that is, or or when we die, if that comes first, be being um, hopefully reunited with our loved ones um, in the presence of 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 the heavenly throne. Um, the other thing that reminds, frankly, that you, with the idea of the wounds that won't be healed, um, I, I was just rewatching um, on Netflix uh, Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring, and uh, reminded as you were talking there of, of the wound that that Frodo received 
um, that that remained forever. And 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 Tolkien. That's one thing that I think he, you know, being very Catholic as well, just the reality. There are some wounds that that will never be healed during during our time on Earth, um, and and certainly. Um, we we during the season of advent we can we are reminded of of that reality of the fact that we are strangers and sojourners uh, on earth and and that utopia will not come either for us individually um or for us as a human family um prior to again that that final coming of christ right so. i think uh i may be the less uh personal of the devotions but it's ones that i love i love advent hymns uh, I just I love Advent hymns. For instance, uh, some, what? For instance, for instance, uh, lift up your heads, ye mighty gates. Yep. Lift up your hands, ye mighty gates. Behold, and, um, beautiful, just beautiful uh, uh, devotional hymns. Uh, Creator of the stars of night, uh, yeah, right. your people shepherdless. Um, some of those like that. Uh, not so much uh, be awake, be ready. You do not know the... I, I really don't like that hymn at all. <laughs> you In know, fact, what's, what's your take, Father, on uh, Stephen Colbert? <laughs> Mock. <laughs> I happen to love it. Um, you love the song or you love his performance of the song? Were you raptured again? I'm afraid you were raptured again because I can't hear you. Okay, I I, I was not raptured uh, again, um, Father. And I, well, I think it's on my end, frankly, just having some technical difficulties. But we're back. So the song Father Colbert mocks, but I love and I love his mocking at the same time. Coincidentally, comes the nation. Yeah, I, I just that, that, it's before him. Lift up your voices. Who is the kid? that song? I, I it's and it's very nostalgic for me. I remember just in my the, my small hometown parish in central Minnesota, um, St. Joseph's in Deerwood. Uh, that was def- that was definitely a song we'd sing during Advent, and I was very sorry to see that uh, Stephen Colbert, among uh, with along with other Catholics, some for some reason don't care for it. I'm not sure if he doesn't care for it. Okay. Does he not care for it, or is he just mocking? <laughs> uh, you're right. He could be just mocking. Uh, what do you think, Father? You like the song, or are you not care for it yourself? I I typically don't care for the song. You don't. Okay. No. Um, and I, I'll tell you, I'm not really sure why I don't like it, but I just don't like it. All right. That's fine. So any others, now that we're done with ones that we don't like, anything else that you... Uh, you were, mentioning, you were mentioning Advent hymns that you like. Um, what are some <laughs> other ones? Well, I, I love the uh, the appropriate Marian antiphon for Advent, uh, the Ave Regina Celorum. Say that again? Ave Angel, okay. Regina Celorum. Okay, yes. Ave Regina Celorum, Ave Domina Angelorum, Salve Radix, Salve Porta. I like that. Now, so that was Greek there, right? Uh, that was my attempted Latin. <laughs> no, it was a good attempt. I'm, I'm kidding completely. I, I studied Latin, but the problem is I forgot all my Latin when I learned Greek. I forgot all my Greek when I learned Hebrew. I never studied enough Hebrew to really remember anything. 
<laughs> uh, Frank, Father, I think your Latin sounded just fine. It's it, it's nice to hear. And, and Father, I think you have a good voice too. So you do you sing out of curiosity, Father? During, during the mass parts, do you? I mean, apart from the oh. hymns. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll sing the mass parts, the prayers, and beautiful. I try to have my own little gradual of solemnity. And Excellent. The uh, um, by the way, speaking of Hebrew, I just want to say the only thing I really remember from Hebrew, aside from a couple psalms, is uh, part of the Our Father in Hebrew, uh, which we learned in Hebrew class, and just because I think it'd be the best pen name ever. And it's a line in the Our Father that says Ken Baares. Ken Baares. Yeah, I think that'd be a great pen name, wouldn't it? What does it translate? Or what, what I don't remember. Line? Oh, okay. <laughs> Ken Baares. You, you just like, okay, all right. Yeah, Wait, yeah. If, if I see anybody posting on any Catholic blogs anywhere going by Ken Baares, I'll know who was the real author. No, this would be like my name if I use, like, if uh, I win the nine-figure lotto. There. <laughs> and... <laughs> I think you have to uh, appear publicly, so I don't know how that would work. But I think you can choose uh, to remain private. You can. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. But if um, Ken Barres makes a donation to uh, the Catholic Diocese of Sioux Falls <laughs> on the order of, I don't know, like $150 million after a $160 million jackpot, well, we'll know. I keep 10 for myself. I'll know who it is. <laughs> there you go. All right, so what are we talking about, Father? (laughs) Advent. Other things I love about Advent. Uh, You still there? Oh, my gosh, you're you're gone again, aren't you? Okay. Other things that I like about Advent. Other things I like about Advent uh, after that commercial break. Yes. Uh, (laughs) I love um, love, uh, Advent wreaths. Symbolism of the whole idea of the Advent wreath. That's uh, there's a, a great book uh, by Connor Radson. It's actually a collection of some Advent sermons from the 1960s called "What It Means to Be a Christian." Yes, yes. And uh, in there, he talks about the Advent wreath as symbolizing the four millennia, the three can- four candles symbolizing the four millennia of um, of the world before the coming of the Christ. Mm. Uh, talk about the beginning. And I just kind of love that symbolism. I love the uh, Advent wreath in that way. I miss when we were kids. We seemed to have like daily prayers for the Advent wreath, which were nice. One thing that we do, um, one of my one of my sisters in law has uh, just a uh, a couple different devotions around the Advent wreath that that we've adopted as well. So at dinner, um, starting with the first Sunday of Advent. Um, we uh, we'll, we'll light the candle and just say a, a prayer and um, sing a verse of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, and then starting, um, with, let's see, yesterday, November 30th, of course, there's that prayer, which <laughs> I, I got into, uh, I was, I was mocked and criticized here at the diocesan offices yesterday. Traditionally, it's the, the prayer that begins, hail and blessed be the hour moment, in which the son of God is more than Mary of blah, 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 about Jesus coming, um, being born in Bethlehem. Uh, and it's traditionally called, um, the Christmas Novena. Now, a Novena is actually a prayer for nine days. Um, I don't know. Novena. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know why this prayer has was called or is called a Christmas Novena. 
uh, when I was, I sent an email out to the NASA's staff letting them, I had some, uh, some hot apple cider. It was very chilly here yesterday. Uh, come celebrate the feast of St. Andrew, uh, get a cup of hot apple cider. And, and then I had the prayer printed out. Um, and I said, uh, the, the Christmas and I put it in quotes, novena, but that wasn't enough to save me from, uh, rebuke and consternation on the part of my, my fellow diocesan staff, because it's not really novena and, and that I, Chris, shouldn't, you know, who, who love precision language shouldn't call it a novena. Um, they were giving me a hard time. And I, I tried to defend myself by pointing out that I put it in quotes, but it was to no avail. So anyway, there is this traditional prayer that, that, that uh, uh, is recited starting on the 30th with the Feast of St. Uh, Andrew the Apostle. Uh, happy feast day yesterday, Father. I'm sorry. I you know, I was wondering when you were going to get to that. Wow, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess when I think of Andrew, I think of the Apostle before the priest. But, uh, well, what can I do? Um, so anyway, anyway. Um, so that's okay, one just, thing that... Just, just, just one moment. I just, just got to cry for a moment here. Oh, we finally... <laughs> so... So we okay, started we started adding that uh, at our dinner table uh, when we uh, we pray with the before we eat dinner with the um, the Advent wreath as well. So that's when so you started say. with uh, 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 belittling your priest friends. What was that? Uh, pretty much, you know, I, I, it's all about uh, la- laicizing the the clerics and <laughs> clericalizing the uh, laity, something like that. I don't know. Other things I love about Advent. Yes. Uh, Thank you for asking. Yes. <laughs> I like well, the Jesse tree. The what? Jesse tree. The Jesse tree. Really? Yeah. Why? Or what? Well, no, not why. What? How do you concretely? So, what do you do with, or what do you? How do you make that a devotion? What? What is? What is the Jesse tree? The uh, um, Jesse tree is uh, a. Little devotional thing uh, and educational at the same time regarding the Old Testament symbols and figures, biblical figures of uh, the coming of the Christ. So, like uh, the ram with its thorns caught in the bushes from uh, the story of Isaac, um, things of, things of that sort. The, the burning bush that burns was yet yet not consumed. Um, and so. Uh, Typically what you do is you in some way have those, but then also you could pray with those scripture passages as a way to more fully enter into that anticipation, that longing for um, uh, the coming of the Christ. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like it. In fact, we have um, here uh, a uh, some beautiful, and now don't, for those of you that might reject this out of hand, just wait a second, some beautiful hand-painted banners. Uh, that were just completed last year by a parishioner uh, representing representational art. It's not abstract art. Representing those uh, different Justin Tree images, and it's very nice to have them uh, during this Advent season, especially because our church is so bare of any representational art. Father, is that, and is this a devotion that you, you, uh, your family um, prayed growing up, or something that you started later in life? Started later. Started later. In fact, um, I know. I, I think we did this at. Uh, at some of the masses growing up at Sacred Heart, but it was something we did as a family. Okay. I just like it too, because it's more Bible. Exactly. Um, one other, is it okay if I talk about a couple of the ones that I like, Father? Is, can I do that, or are you still want to, you know, 
you are the priest, so I want to defer to you as I ought to. You can't make up for what you did earlier. But yeah, go ahead and bring up. Uh, I think it'd be great if you bring up the O antiphons. I will talk about the O antiphons after I talk about the Feast of St. Nicholas on December 6th. Um, especially because we have. Uh, my wife and I have young children, you know, very taken with Santa Claus, and we really, <laughs> we really are, try hard to combat the uh, the completely uh, secularized sense of of Santa Claus that we're all very familiar with um, by emphasizing that, and they know now, they've heard it for several years now that Santa Claus is Saint Nicholas, and he was a, a I don't know if they remember he was a, early, a bishop in the a long time ago in the early church, but um, we bishop remind, of Smyrna. Exactly, modern day Turkey, um, and so we remind that, them of that time from time to time. Um, but then we also really try. We one way we do that concretely is we we celebrate December sixth, the feast of Saint Nicholas. And uh, one thing that we do, it's a, a tradition that I wasn't familiar with until I spent um, a semester living in Austria during college, and I was there in the fall. And so we were in Austria for December sixth for the feast. And the tradition in, in some of the Germanic countries in Europe, at least, uh, is that young children will put their their shoes and back in the day their wooden shoes outside their their bedroom door at night, uh, the night of the fifth. And the morning they'd go uh, they'd uh, awaken to find um, their shoes filled with uh, with with candy, chocolates, or or something. Um, and so we've taken that up and, and our kids find oftentimes that St. Uh, Nicholas has left them, um, maybe some candy, maybe sometime a gift, uh, sometimes a gift for all of them. So just uh, tr- one, one small way to try to emphasize the reality of who Santa Claus really was and in fact is, and he's certainly still alive, um, uh, with our heavenly father, um, right now and we can seek his intercession. Um, oh, antiphons, Father, you mentioned. Um, that's oh. a, that's a, a, a devotion that, f- frankly, is in some. It, it's in a sense a, more liturgical. It's, it's. I think it's more than just a devotion. Um, during for, uh, near the end of Advent, from December seventeenth on, the church in the liturgy hours and then also at Mass um, uses a series of antiphons that emphasize some particular dimension of uh, of who Christ is uh, as we prepare in the, in the final days, so to speak for, for the Christmas celebration of his, of his coming, as we were talking about earlier. Um, and so they are, and what, here's what they, they are. They, all these um, antiphons begin um, with a word in Latin um, uh, that emphasizes who Christ is. So like, for instance, December 17th is sapientia, uh, wisdom. Um, December 18th is Adonai, Lord. Um, 19th is Radix Jesse, the root of Jesse. Um, December 20th is Clavis David, David, the key of David. Uh, the 21st is Oriens, which is Dayspring. Uh, 22nd is Rex Gentium, the king of nations. And December 23rd is Emmanuel, of course, which means God with us. And they're called O Antiphons because actually every antiphon begins O. Oh, so, O oh Lord, O oh Adonai, O oh Root of Jesse, O oh Radix Jesse, and so on. Um, and all of these antiphons, when you take each of them in order in the Latin, uh, the first letter from that first word, it forms what's called an acrostic. Uh, it forms the acrostic Ero Cross, which uh, translates, I will be with you tomorrow. Uh, and so this is a way where in the liturgy, one of these little 
um, keys. Maybe Dan Brown could write a novel around the O'Antiphon's father. The Emmanuel Code. The Emmanuel Code. Uh, but but a way that the one of these little, just as the little fun is sort of banal, but these little neat things that, that are sort of hidden within the liturgy. Delightful? Uh, yeah, that's a better word. Delightful ways um, that, that the church prepares uh, now in a more approximate way for for the Christmas celebration with these these O antiphons. Um, so that's another fun thing uh, I think people can celebrate. Of course, we have on December 8th, we have the the, the Feast of, of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception. Uh, Mary, as the Immaculate Conception, is the patroness for the United States. So it's a, a, a feast of particular importance for us as Catholics in the United States. Um, those are some of the highlights for me, Father. Uh, any anything else that strikes you about that, you, or that you'd like to to point out about the the Advent season? No, I feel uh, I feel pretty good. Good. Um, so, uh, well, I, I I guess Father Father, while we're podcasting, is is insisting that we end with Stephen Colbert's version of. Uh, <laughs> The King of Glory. Now, honestly, I don't know how this is going to come across, uh, if it will get recorded in the podcast. Um, if it doesn't get recorded, then um, when I edit this, we're just going to end. So I think what we'll do is we'll actually wrap up. Um, we'll, we'll give our adieus, and then we'll go ahead and play it. And if it works, they can hear If you, If, dear listener, you can't, uh, you're unable to hear uh, uh, Stephen Colbert's beautiful rendition of King of Glory, just YouTube it. It's on YouTube. That's how we're going to listen to it. Just go to YouTube and search for Stephen Colbert, King of Glory, Liturgical Dance, and uh, and, and you can you'll you'll, you'll find it. Uh, but first, to be by his head. Don't, don't be afraid. Yeah, it begins with a zoom, in, big zoom in on 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 Colbert's head. So uh, before we play it, uh, thanks for once again for listening, for putting up with our technical difficulties, and we will be back next week. Father, God bless you all, and go ahead and hit play, Father. The King of Glory comes, the nation rejoices. Open the gates before him, lift up your voices. Who is this King of Glory? How shall we call him? He is Emmanuel, the promised of ages. The King of Glory comes, the nation rejoices. Open the gates before him, lift up your voices. Who is this King of Glory? How shall we call him? He is Emmanuel, the promised of ages. The King of Glory comes, the nation rejoices. Open the and we're done. <laughs> Goodbye, listeners. Thanks for putting up with us today. Blessed Advent.